Howdy, y'all, and welcome to The Daily Grind with your host, John Spencer. Grab a mug of your favorite brew and join me and my sister, Carla, and then get ready to brew your brain, sharpen your wit, and enrich your faith. We'll give you the rundown on today's date, share some interesting historical facts, and then toss out a few random musings just to get your brain gears turning. Plus, I'll offer up some thoughts to ponder on your walk with Jesus. So let's get this show on the road. Hey, good morning, Carla. It's Wednesday, hump day. We're halfway through this week before Christmas. It is December 20th. Here we go. Good morning. Are you all set? You got some San Antonio blend with you this Wednesday? I do, I do, I do. It's so good. It is so good. And that's why it is the official coffee (laughs) of the Daily Grind. Yes. (laughs) And on this date in 1832, England's... Her Majesty's ship Cleo, under the command of Captain Onslow, arrived at Port Edgemont, taking possession of the Falkland Islands. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of probably ugly colonial some kind of stuff, but England took over the Falkland Islands. And on this date in 1969, the number one hit from December 20th to December 26th was... Peter, Paul, and Mary's leaving on a jet plane. Oh, wow. I can hear that song right on my head. But my question for us today is, do you know who wrote leaving on a jet plane? Because it was not Peter, Paul, and Mary. I do not know. It was written by a young singer-songwriter named John Dusseldorf. Oh, no kidding. Who would later change his name. Yeah, John Denver wrote Leaving on a Jet Plane. And on this date, in 1971, the international aid organization Doctors Without Borders was founded by Bernard Kochner and a group of journalists in Paris, France. They do great work. They do great work. Those are amazing people. And on this date, in 1989, the United States successfully invaded Panama and deposed Manuel Noriega. Oh, I forgot all about that. <laughs> but now I remember. <gasps> and on this date in 2007, December 20th is Go Caroling Day. Oh, great idea. It's International Human Solidarity Day. Okay. It's National Sangria Day. Okay. Which I always think sangria leads to solidarity and caroling. Yes. In that order. Because once we get together, <laughs> we want to start singing. Right. Especially. And it's also Sacagawea Day. Oh, well, that's cool. It is cool. Yeah. Boy, her name is one of those that just doesn't, I can, I have, my brain always has to pause a second to process what I'm looking at there. That's a whole bunch of vowels. We used to read the kids when they were little, the nativity story. And I can remember one year, Jesse was old enough to talk, and he asked what a stable was. And I thought about it, and I was thinking, how do you explain to a kid, you know, what a stable is? And I said, it's kind of like your brother's room, but without (laughs) a stereo in it. I was thinking (laughs) something a little more agricultural, but I see what you're doing there. Oh, my goodness. Brothers. You should always borrow money from a pessimist because they won't expect you to pay it back. Oh, yeah. How about that? Instead of dividing backing vocals from low, medium, and high, Frederick Mercury, Brian May, and Roger Taylor of the band Queen would record each background pot together in unison 
twice. So they would have two times three part harmony on some of their songs. Whoa. It was just them. I know. That's some good harmony in the Queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, the 1982 original Tron movie. Yes. Didn't win any special effects awards. What? Be- okay. Because the Motion Picture Academy thought that they cheated by using computer graphics. <laughs> okay. I bet they felt stupid now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was like, uh, no, that's like cutting edge new thing. And you're going, that's cheating. Okay. Yeah, can you believe that? Cheating. Hey, Carla, do you know how come Rudolph didn't want to show his parents his report card? No, I didn't. Rudolph want to show his parents his report card. Because he went down in history. Oh. Yep. Okay, then. I do remember hearing that. Yeah. I'm a a dad. And that's a joke. Yeah. So. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Now it's that time on the Daily Grind to enrich your faith. And today we're going to talk about endurance. And the verse I want us to look at today is Luke 21, verse 19, where Jesus is saying, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. So what does it mean to endure? And how do we put endurance into action in our day-to-day? And why does it matter so much for our spiritual journey? Well, let's set the context a little bit. In Luke 21, Jesus is laying out some heavy predictions about the future, including some apocalyptic events. And the disciples, faces a shade paler, I bet, ask, well, when is all this really tough stuff going to hit the fan? And Jesus doesn't hold back. He paints a graphic picture of challenging times ahead. In the midst of this, he even quietly mentions that a day will come when his followers will be betrayed, even by family and friends. It makes you wonder, did those words hit Judas kind of hard? I mean, do you think he blushed or looked away, kind of shuffled his sandals in the dirt for a little bit? Don't know. But Luke 21 really is that kind of passage that most of us would rather avoid. Or we wish that Jesus would have said something else. Give us a different prediction or different promises. It would be nice if he would have said, don't stress about trials. I'll rescue you before they even show up. I mean, because we really all kind of want a spiritual homeland security that just guarantees protection from all evil. But instead, Jesus tells us that when the world hates us for his name's sake, It's inevitable, and it will happen, but he promises to be with us and in us through it all. So as we gear up for Christmas, thrilled to celebrate the birth of Jesus, let's not forget that the fulfillment of this promise, the birth, isn't the end, but the beginning. He came with a purpose to reveal God's love to save us from our sins, and he knew that this mission meant enduring hardship, trials, even death on the cross. And Jesus stayed true to God's plan. He faced opposition, betrayal by friends, mockery, the agony of the cross, and the separation from his Father, all for us to have eternal life and reconciliation, to be made right with God. But he didn't stop at the cross. He conquered the grave. He rose on the third day, and he is alive today, reigning in heaven, interceding for us. He is the 
architect and the finisher of our faith, initiating a good work in us and seeing it through. He provides the power and the grace we need to endure and follow and become more like him. But endurance isn't something that Jesus just did for us. He calls us to join him in the journey of faithfulness and obedience and love. He invites us to carry our cross, deny ourselves, share in his struggles and glory, and endure until the end. But how does that play out in our everyday lives? How do we endure with Jesus in the face of challenges or struggles or temptations or disappointments? How do we keep going when we seem like what we want to do is throw in the towel? Well, first and foremost, I think we need to recognize that endurance isn't a one-time thing. It is a lifelong process. There's no shortcuts to it. It's not something that we can achieve overnight or by our own strength. It is a gradual growth as we walk with Jesus and rely on his spirit. And we learn it through facing various trials and tests of our faith cultivating and growing so that we can persevere in prayer, in the word, and in the company of other believers. So it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's not a quick burst of passion, it's a steady flame. It's a slow transformation, not a quick fix. It's a long, narrow road, not a shortcut. So let's be cautious not to fall into the trap of trying to rush or artificially speed up our journey into Christ-likeness because our culture values speed and efficiency and instant gratification. We want everything now. We don't like waiting. But God doesn't operate on our timetable. He's not rushed. He's not impressed by our performance. He's really interested in our character and our relationship with him. He's after lasting change progress, not perfection. But sometimes he allows us to face those difficulties and challenges and sufferings, not to punish us, but to purify us, to mature us, strengthen our faith. He wants to refine our character, make it more like his. My friend Keith Allen says he allows sandpaper people into our lives, and we need to be grateful for them because Jesus wants to stretch our love, make it more like his. For some Christians in the past and in the present, there has been an attempt to really claim that they already know precisely what the future holds. And so they will turn passages like Luke 21 and sometimes entire biblical books like Revelation into a kind of giant secret code. And if we just crack it, it will spell out neat and precise details of the future's exact timelines. Yeah, no. That's not the right approach. Although there is no denying the future forward trajectory of passages like Luke 21, in the end, Jesus is not interested in telling us precisely what the future holds, but rather who holds the future. And when you know who holds the future, then you know who holds your every moment, including this present moment as well. And it is that confidence that allows us to rest easy when Jesus tells us that he will be with us when the world presses in on us and persecutes us for his sake. So let's not get tired of doing good. In due time, we'll reap if we don't give up. 
So don't lose heart in following Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. We shouldn't fear suffering. He's the one who suffered for us and will provide comfort. So endure, rely on his grace and for his glory. So as we just kind of wrap up today's thoughts, take a minute, if you would, and reflect on the areas of your life that you need enduring faith, whether it's a strained relationship, a stressful situation, a persistent temptation, or a troubling doubt, bring it to the Lord. Ask for strength and guidance to endure with and for him. You know, Charles Spurgeon said that a simple faith brings the soul to Christ. Christ keeps the faith alive. That faith enables the believer to endure, and so he enters into heaven. May that be your lot and mine for Christ's sake. Amen. So now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen. As always, thanks for joining me here on The Daily Grind. Please do all that podcast stuff. Continue to rate it review it, share it with your friends. Would love to hear some of your feedback, especially some of the people who are listening on parts of the planet, not here in the United States. Would love to hear from you. My email address is in the show notes. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow on a new episode of The Daily Grind.